The world is changing fast, but you can learn it at a slower pace. Special English. You're listening to Special English. Here is the news. An annual summer fishing ban has begun in China's major seas in the north, east, and south to conserve marine fisheries. The fishing ban covers the Bohai Sea, the Yellow Sea, the East China Sea, and the waters north of 12 degrees north latitude in the South China Sea. The fishing moratorium in the South China Sea is expected to end on August the 16th. China has imposed the annual fishing ban in the South China Sea since 1999, as part of the country's efforts to promote sustainable marine fishery development and improve marine ecology. The China Coast Guard's South China Sea branch. And local authorities patrol major fishing grounds and ports to ensure that the ban is well observed. Law enforcement actions will also be held in the Beibu Gulf, the Pearl River estuary, and the water border of Fujian and Guangdong provinces, in a bid to crack down on illegal fishing and protect marine fishery resources. The fishing ban will end on September the first for the Yellow Sea and the Bohai Sea waters, north of 35 degrees north latitude, while it lasts up until September the 16th, according to usages of different fishing nets for the East China Sea. According to authorities in Qingdao City, in East China's Shandong Province. The ban involves seventeen thousand fishermen. The city will, for the first time, hand out marine fishery resources conservation subsidies, which are some seventy million yuan, or about ten point six million U.S. dollars. The Agriculture and Rural Affairs Department in East China's Zhejiang Province said that after May the eighth. The province would ban the sale of eight kinds of frozen or living marine products, including hair tail, yellow croaker, and pomfret. This is special English. A Chinese oil company has launched the drilling of Asia's deepest oil well in the Tarim Basin. In northwest China's Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, the Yuejin Three Three Well, designed to be as deep as nine thousand four hundred and seventy-two meters, will be a significant breakthrough in ultra-deep oil and gas exploration, which will help the country boost its crude oil production. Tarim Basin is the country's largest petroliferous basin, accounting for more than sixty percent of the nation's onshore ultra-deep oil and gas resources. 
However, it is also one of the most difficult areas to explore in China, partly because its oil and gas reserves lie between six thousand and ten thousand meters underground. To overcome the extreme conditions of high temperature and high pressure, at a depth over nine thousand meters. Chinese energy conglomerate Sinopec has improved drilling technologies, which puts the country among the few nations in the world capable of drilling ten thousand meter deep wells. The Yuejin three three well is part of the Shandi One oil project. There are 120 wells, deeper than 8,000 meters, in the Taklamakan Desert inside the basin. Sinopec planned to finish the drilling in 170 days. You're listening to Special English. The Italian government has officially launched a bid to have its national cuisine recognized by UNESCO as an intangible cultural heritage item. The application seeks to protect the rights associated with Italian cooking that are crucial for culture and identity. Professor Pier Luigi Petrillo. Of Rome's Lewis University, wrote the candidacy dossier. He said, "Intangible cultural heritage are traditions, practices, and rituals that are transmitted from generation to generation, that create a sense of identity for the people who practice the element." Giulia Tavarini. Is one of the chefs in Rome, who says that the dishes are made from much more than a recipe. Teverini said many Romans have a memory of a Sunday lunch with Nonna, who has cooked a roast chicken or homemade pasta. The kitchen is very connected to the way of being. She said when she's cooking, she feels proud. It's like a kind of magic. It's this connection and knowledge that the UNESCO bid aims to protect and promote. It's a joint proposal from the ministries of culture and agriculture, and also underlines the sustainability and biodiversity of Italian cuisine. Mattia Moliterni from a culinary institution in Rome explained that from the vinegar to the oil to the tomatoes, Italy has all the ingredients that are special, and it is the environment that allows locals to do this kind of cooking. He added that Italy has many different traditions. As people move from one town to another, they find different food, and have a different experience, depending on the climate and ingredients. 
It's not the first time Italy has sought to have its culinary culture recognized by UNESCO. In 2017, the art of pizza making in the southern city of Naples was granted world heritage status. UNESCO will now evaluate the Italian government's latest proposal and decide by December 2025. You're listening to Special English. Chinese mountaineer Dong Hongjuan has become the first woman to conquer all 14 peaks above 8,000 meters on Earth. 42-year-old Dong successfully ascended to the summit of 8,027-meter Mount Shushapangma, which was confirmed by the International Mountaineering Summit website, 8,000ers.com. 8,000ers.com said on its front page that it was a historical day for the mountaineers and mountain lovers who care about true summits. Now, Dong Hong Juan is the first woman to have ascended all true summits of the 14 8,000ers. Speaking at a celebration banquet in Lhasa, Dong said she started climbing out of curiosity, but when she found out about the 8,000er climber list, she hoped there would be a Chinese name on it. Searing Samdrup, the chairman of the Tibet Mountaineering Association, said Dong's character of perseverance is the best expression of the mountaineering spirit and represents the strength of Chinese women. The international mountaineering community considers it an achievement to reach the summits of the 14 independent mountains above 8,000 meters, all of which are located in the Himalayas and Karokaram. You're listening to Special English. I was born on the 17th of November, 18. Delve into a world of words with Books and Beyond, a podcast made especially for audiobook lovers. World as the youngest of five I children. wondered what Her Majesty would be like. Fie upon you, limpid one. Why have you taken... Immerse yourself in gripping stories and timeless classics from the comfort of your own personal space. Sun Tzu underlined three points on the context to gain There was initiative. no better wine and not to mention... The Whether you're a bookworm or a casual listener, our carefully curated selection of audiobooks will transport you to new worlds and stir your imagination. Subscribe to Books and Beyond and start your audiobook adventure now on radio.cgtn.com or your favorite podcast app. Are you one of the many looking to improve your English language skills by watching films or TV shows but feel it's too fast or get lost in the words? We'll slow things down with Special English, where you can polish your reading, listening, and pronunciation at your own pace. Get caught up with current news and international affairs 
while getting your daily English lesson with us. Find us on Apple Podcasts by searching for Special English. Trade and economic relations between China and Central and Eastern Europe have flourished over the past decade. Despite challenges such as the COVID nineteen pandemic and a slowing world economy, up to now, the scale of two-way investment between China and Central and Eastern European countries has reached about twenty billion U.S. dollars. And in the first quarter of 2023, China's direct investment in these countries. Rose by 148 percent year on year. Vice Minister of Commerce Li Fei said Chinese companies are keen to invest in these regions, in fields such as auto parts, home appliances, medicine, logistics, energy, and minerals. Official data shows China's trade with Central and Eastern European countries has grown at an average annual rate of 8.1 percent since 2012, with China's imports from these countries rising 9.2 percent year on year on average. In the first quarter of this year. Two-way trade reached 33.3 billion U.S. dollars, up 1.6 percent from a year earlier, showing a steady and positive start. The number of China-Europe freight trains stood at 16,000 in 2022, up 9 percent year on year. Poland, Hungary, Slovakia. And other countries have become key destinations for China-Europe freight trains. Thousands of trade delegates from Central and Eastern Europe are now gathering in Ningbo, Zhejiang Province, for a consumer goods fair held from May the sixteenth to twentieth. The annual event, starting from twenty twenty one. Has become a trade propeller between China and Central and Eastern European countries, providing opportunities for exhibitors and buyers from home and abroad. This is Special English. The UN World Food Programme and the UN Environment Programme have signed an agreement in Nairobi, the capital of Kenya. To improve food, water, and the environmental security of vulnerable communities around the world, the two UN agencies will work with local communities, governments, regional bodies, UN partners, and other stakeholders to restore degraded ecosystems, build and scale actions to adapt to the climate crisis. And supports sustainable agricultural practices, according to the agreement. UNEP's executive director Inga Andersen said in a joint statement issued in Nairobi 
that if the world works more closely together, real, meaningful impact can be created. The WFP's executive director, Cindy McCain, said the WFP's global footprint and operational scale, combined with UNEP's scientific expertise, will help governments, communities and families on the frontiers of the climate crisis better protect themselves. This is Special English. Thanks to 4K high-definition display screens, a dome theatre and other technologies, at the Fahai Temple Mural Art Centre in Beijing, brings murals that have been dormant for nearly 600 years back to life, giving audiences a truly immersive experience. Fahai Temple was first built in 1439, during the early Ming Dynasty, which ran from 1368 to 1644. It is well known for the murals that grace its grand hall. Noted for their exquisite craftsmanship, such as their gelled patterning and gilding, they have been listed among the three major frescoes in China, together with those in Dunhuang in Gansu province and the Yonglu Palace, a historic Taoist temple complex in Shanxi. According to Xu Ke, a tour guide at the art centre, there are ten murals based on four themes, and they cover 236.7 square metres in total. It took 15 court painters about four years to complete them. He said these are among the best murals in China in terms of the painting, gilding techniques used, the method of composition and the shape of the characters. The extensive use of mineral pigments has allowed them to retain their brilliant colours for nearly 600 years. The Grand Hall is open to the public on a limited basis every day, and viewers can only admire them under the dim glare of the tour guide's torch. In 2023, the Fahai Temple Mural Art Centre opened its doors to the public. Large 4K digital screens were used to restore the frescoes to their original size. Liu Xiaobo, director of the art centre, said with digitization different parts of the murals can be enlarged so visitors can see them more clearly. He cited the crown on the Avalokitis Vara's head as an example. He said getting access to such detail would be impossible at the temple itself because the head is about three meters above the ground and there is no ladder for people to climb to get a proper look. Every half hour, all of the screens in the exhibition hall play a three-minute animation in tandem. Auspicious decorations, animals and other elements from the murals are shown on the screen to the accompaniment of emotive background music, creating some unforgettable images. There is also a dome theatre in the hall 
that screens a 12-minute short film called Dream in Farhai. This focuses on one of the painters who helped create the murals. All of the figures and animal images were taken from the original frescoes inside the temple and recreated using 3D modelling. Liu Xiaobo said a digital exhibition should help the audience see the relics more clearly and understand them in greater depth. This is Special English. That is the end of this edition of Special English. To recap, I'm going to read two of the news items again at normal speed. Please listen carefully. An annual summer fishing ban has begun in China's major seas in the northeast and south to conserve the marine fisheries. The fishing ban covers the Bohai Sea, the Yellow Sea, the East China Sea and the waters north of 12 degrees north latitude in the South China Sea. The fishing moratorium in the South China Sea is expected to end on August the 16th. China has imposed the annual fishing ban in the South China Sea since 1999 as part of the country's efforts to promote sustainable marine fishery development and improve marine ecology. The China Coast Guard's South China Sea Branch and local authorities patrol major fishing grounds and ports to ensure that the ban is well observed. Law enforcement actions will also be held in the Beibu Gulf, the Pearl River Estuary and the water border of Fujian and Guangdong provinces in a bid to crack down on illegal fishing and protect marine fishery resources. The fishing ban will end on September the 1st for the Yellow Sea and the Bohai Sea waters north of 35 degrees north latitude, while it lasts until up to September the 16th, according to usages of different fishing nets for the East China Sea. According to authorities in Qingdao City in East China's Shandong province, the ban involves 17,000 fishermen. The city will, for the first time, hand out marine fishery resources conservation subsidies, which are some 70 million yuan, or about 10.6 million US dollars. The Agriculture and Rural Affairs Department in East China's Zhejiang province said that after May the 8th, the province would ban the sale of eight kinds of frozen or living marine products, including hair tail, yellow croaker and pomfret. This is Special English. Chinese mountaineer Dong Hong Juan has become the first woman to conquer all 14 peaks above 8,000 meters on Earth. 42-year-old Dong successfully ascended to the summit of 8,027-meter Mount Shusha Pangma, which was confirmed by the International Mountaineering Summit website 8000ers.com. 8000ers.com said on its front page that it was a historical day for the mountaineers and mountain lovers who care about true summits. Now Dong Hong Juan is the first woman to have ascended all true summits of the 14 8000ers. Speaking at a celebration banquet in Lhasa, Dong said she started climbing out of curiosity, but when she found out about the 8000er climber list, she hoped there would be a Chinese name on it. Searing Samdrup, chairman of the Tibet Mountaineering Association, said Dong's character of perseverance is the best expression of the mountaineering spirit and represents the strength of Chinese women.
The international mountaineering community considers it an achievement to reach the summits of the 14 independent mountains above 8,000 metres, all of which are located in the Himalayas and Karakoram. That is the end of today's programme. I hope you'll join us every day to learn English at a slower pace. <laughs>